0: Hi guys, hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Irish Balance podcast. If you are new to the podcast, you are very welcome and if you are a regular listener, you're also very welcome. Just for anyone who is new, my name is Kira. I'm an Irish girl and a qualified medical doctor and through my podcast and my blog theirishbalance.com and my social media, I talk about public health and the power of prevention in medicine. I'm particularly passionate about how our lifestyles affect our health through the food we eat, the exercise we do, how we manage our stress, um, our sleep, and our social well-being. And I want to show you through my content that we can empower ourselves to live happy, healthy lifestyles that are full of, you've guessed it, balance. So welcome back to the podcast this week. I am really, really excited for today's episode, and there's a little bit of a backstory to it as well. So today on my podcast, we're going to be talking about the Blue Zones. And if you haven't heard of them, don't you worry, you will know all about them when this episode is done. The reason there's a backstory to this episode is that I actually had recorded this as a podcast episode for last week on my old phone. I'm using a temporary one at the moment because my phone was actually stolen when I was at WellFest at the weekend, which was less than ideal. However, life goes on. And I decided that since so many of you had asked for this to be a podcast episode, I would re-record it. So I've managed to secure myself a replacement sim for my temporary phone and get myself my Podbean app back again, which means that I can record episodes. So happily for you, we're going to do the Blue Zones. So to everyone who requested that, please appreciate the effort that went into getting this episode out there. Um, The reason I want to talk about the Blue Zones is because I think we can learn a huge amount from them about the role of a healthy lifestyle and not just the food and exercise elements of it that we see promoted on social media so much it's much more than that and I think we do need to remember that and I also think we can learn from them because of how influential the environment of the populations of the Blue Zones is in terms of promoting a healthy lifestyle But first, I'm going to backtrack a little bit and I'll tell you what the Blue Zones are for those of you who haven't heard of them. And then I'll go into why I want to talk about them. And I will tell you what we can learn from them. So what are the Blue Zones? The Blue Zones refer to five geographic areas that were identified in 2005 as regions of the world where people statistically live the longest, but also the healthiest, longest lives. And that year, The Blue Zones themselves were the National Geographic cover story, The Secrets of a Long Life, by a guy called Dan Putner. Dan is the founder of the Blue Zones organization and has actually written several books on this topic. He has a lot of titles. He is a producer, an explorer, an author, and led uh, several research expeditions to look into the Blue Zones and their lifestyle habits. Their identification arose through a joint collaboration between National Geographic and the National Institute for Aging in the USA and the teams of researchers set out to find the secrets to living longer and healthier from people who live the longest, healthiest and happiest lives and they used a blue pen to mark places on a map that had an exceptional number of people who lived to be over 100 and hence the name the Blue Zones. So it could have been the green, the red, the yellow zones but I think Blue Zones is pretty catchy and they thought okay we've got all these populations who've lived really, really long and really long and healthy lives. So let's see if they've got some best practices they follow for doing so and if they might have some of those practices in common, despite being on totally different parts of the world. Now, the reason I'm talking about the blaze zones populations um, as part of my message as a doctor and a blogger, I guess, is because I think we can learn a huge amount from them because we know that how long we live is in part genetic, but a large part of it is down to the lifestyle choices that we make every single day. And a lesser known fact is how influential the environment we live in is on those daily lifestyle choices. One of my friends and doctor mentors once said to me that compound interest accrues from all the small decisions that we make every day. And I think that's definitely true for even the smallest healthy lifestyle choices in terms of a long-term benefit if done consistently. So, what are these blue zones? Well, these places are Nicoya in Costa Rica, Okinawa in Japan, Loma Linda in California, which, uh, within which is the population of a, a Methodist uh, group called the Seven Day Adventists. And they actually tend to live on average 10 years uh, longer than their northern USA counterparts, and um, Sardinia in Italy, and Icaria in Greece. And there's a couple of notable things about these populations at the time they were identified. For example, the female over 70 population in Okinawa was found to be the longest lived population in the world. In Icaria, they were found to have the world's lowest rate of middle age mortality and the lowest rates of dementia. And in Sardinia, they were found to have the highest number of male centenarians. So lots of really interesting longevity facts about these places. And they weren't identified all at once. It was sort of done over a period of time. And over that time, they discovered what these Blue Zone populations had in common, and it turned out there was nine aspects of their way of life that they did consistently, pretty much every day, um, that they felt contributed to their longevity. There was no magic bullet, no black and white thinking about life, no one diet, no one type of workout, no specific supplements. And some of those nine things might even surprise you. and They're called the Power Nine, I guess, because that sounds catchy. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about each. And nine might sound like a lot, so as I did for my welfare talk. And side note to say thank you to everyone who came. I really, really appreciated it. It was a magic day. I've summarized those nine into five. The five topics I'm going to touch on are movement, nourishment, connection, reflection, and purpose. So stick with me. We'll hashtag power through them, pun intended, and I hope you'll enjoy hearing about them. And some of these, you know, they might apply to your life already, and they're not a one size fits all and not a one stop shop for health and longevity, but as I said, I think we can learn a lot about how these populations live and particularly how their environment supports those healthy lifestyle habits. So before I launch into my five, I'll tell you the power nine, and then you'll see how they fit into the five that I have summarized. So move naturally, plant slant, 80% rule, wine at five, right tribe, belong, loved ones first, downshift and purpose or icky guy. We'll get to that one. So first let's talk about movement. So the centenarians that were identified in the blue zones, they exercised every day, but not in the way we think of it. They didn't do it for the sake of exercising. They lived in environments that nudged them into moving without even thinking about it. And if we think about it, our environment has changed so much over the last few decades that, in fact, it can do the exact opposite to nudging us into movement. And we really have to be aware of that. And also, we live in a social media-driven world, and particularly for certain generations, where a lot of the time, a really sweaty workout is put on a pedestal as the only worthwhile way to be active. And it can seem like everyone is doing really high-intensity stuff every day, and it's just not a sustainable way to move or live. And in fact, can at times promote overtraining, which puts us at risk of illness and injury. In the Blue Zones, people move as part of their day. They walk to work, they might cycle, they maintain activity during the day as well. And as a lot of these populations are older, some of them are retired, but that doesn't mean they're inactive. They garden or they walk to the market or walk to visit their friends. They don't see exercise as something they have to fit in or get over with. They engage in low to moderate intensity activity built into their day throughout their day, every day. One thing I really tried to get across in my talk at Wellfest was that we do not live in an environment in the Western world that nudges us into activity. It has never been easier to not have to walk to get from A to B. We have public transport, we have cars, we have many, many ways to be sedentary, to get from work to school to college, etc. So we have to take responsibility and build movement into our day, similar to how they do in the Blue Zones. That might be, if feasible, walking or cycling to work, grabbing a lunchtime walk, maybe grabbing a short walk before or after work. I'm checking sure, you know, the weather is better. Long may it last. We can make that social too. We can grab friends from work. We can go with friends in the evening. We can go with family. We can grab the stairs at work instead of the lift. Um, we can grab the stairs on our commute or we could get off the bus to stop early, maybe if feasible. I'm not saying there's anything wrong at all with gym based training, sports, running, etc., in balance with adequate rest and recovery. But we do have to be aware of how much our current and modern environment can nudge us into an overly sedentary lifestyle and really focus on building movement throughout our day to counteract it. As I've talked about in previous podcast episodes, there is an absolute wealth of benefits the physical activity provides for our physical and mental health. So. We don't want to miss out on those. And so we do have to really work hard to build it into our day consistently. We know, for example, in Ireland, and this is pretty much backed up internationally, that our exercise guidelines are to get uh, at a minimum 150 minutes of moderate intensity aerobic activity per week. And moderate intensity means you can talk but you can't sing. So, like a brisk walk, which could be 30 minutes five days a week, or you could do it every day and do 20 odd minutes. You could do 75 minutes vigorous intensity and during the week instead that basically is where you can't talk while you're exercising and we should also get at least two bouts of muscle strength and balance promoting exercise as well. I personally believe because I've done it myself if you don't know where to start walking is an amazing place to start just getting active throughout your day and if you think 30 minutes sounds like a lot that's 10 minutes three times a day brisk walking And given the wealth of benefits physical activity provides, if we could wrap it up into a pill, we would all take it. But we can't. So we need to engage in it and take enjoyment from it. Number two is nourishment. And I've put three power nine ways of Blue Zone life under this nourishment umbrella. Number one, in the Blue Zones, the individuals had uh, patterns of consumption of a mostly plant-based diet with a little bit of meat and fish. And actually, four out of the five Blue Zones mostly consume pork as their meat historically, um, but infrequently, only a handful of times per month. Now, there's been a lot of talk about plant-based diets recently in terms of potential benefits to environmental and human health, and I'm not going to dispute which foods carry the greatest carbon footprint. I have a whole podcast on sustainable eating, so you can definitely go back and have a listen to that. But what we can learn from the Blue Zones is to focus on the health that we can add to our diets from eating a range of fruits and vegetables, whole grains and plant-based sources of protein and other micronutrients such as beans peas lentils raw nuts and seeds and that's what I want us to focus on and that's what I try to focus on myself not what we should or shouldn't remove and actually the base of the Irish food pyramid is fruits and vegetables in the bottom and then whole grains next now obviously people's ethical and moral motivations to eat a certain way are outside of that conversation that's personal choice but I think that what we can learn from the blue zones is the health benefits they gain from basing their diets on plants particularly dietary fiber, lots of micronutrients, complex carbohydrates, plant sources of protein, healthy fats. It's a really, really overall balanced diet. And they did consume dairy. They did consume different forms of meat and fish, but um, particularly with meat and fish, they consumed it in very much uh, a moderation uh, context and relatively infrequently. But I think for us in the Western world, what we need to focus on is adding that health to our diet from a range of fruits and vegetables, whole grains and plant-based sources of protein, particularly if we think that's an area that we need to work on or that we don't currently get enough of. Number two, and actually equally importantly, these populations had this 80% rule where they ate until they were 80% full, until satisfied, in other words, not stuffed as a general rule. Now I'll put my hand up and say, when a meal is delicious, I am definitely Someone who finds it hard not to eat until I'm just maybe that little bit too full. Um, But it is a really, I think, interesting dietary principle to have. They call it harahachibu. In Japan, they say at the start of a meal to remind themselves to do this and to tune in, I guess, to the hunger signals um, and just their stomach filling up a bit. Now, that's easier said than done. And I know I'm not a dietitian or nutritionist and I never act as one. But we do know that it takes our brains a little bit of time to register our fullness. So focusing on eating slowly and mindfully and not in a hurried way at the desk or rushing from A to B and just trying to enjoy our food more, um, ideally in company and listen to our stomach signals can definitely bring us some benefits. Number three, which at the talk everyone gave a woo to is wine at five. And it's not a rule. They only called it wine at five because it sounds catchy. I'm certain of it. But it refers to the fact that some of the Blue Zones populations did enjoy alcohol, mostly red wine. I think it was sake in Okinawa in small amounts, somewhat frequently, but usually as part of a meal, not in a binge style um, pattern of consumption or as any sort of coping mechanism in life. And in Ireland, we have a very high proportion of drinkers, only about 20 percent of the population abstain. And I do have some uh, blog posts on that topic. And we have a high uh, proportion of binge drinking too and overall alcohol consumption. So moderation is definitely something that I think we can learn from these populations as opposed to a wine at five rule. And I want to stress that me mentioning this um, power nine within the blue zones does not mean that we need to have wine at five every day. Far from it. The point it makes is the need for moderation and an appreciation of where alcohol fits into your lifestyle as a whole, when you're consuming it and within what context. In Ireland, our weekly low risk guidelines for alcohol consumption are 17 standard units a week for men and that's a maximum and 11 for women not every day ideally with two to three alcohol days alcohol free days per week excuse me and you might say then what's a standard drink well a standard drink is half pint 100 ml of wine one serving of spirits so you can see how easy it is to potentially over consume outside of those guidelines A binge is six or more standard drinks in one sitting, three or more pints. So we do need to be aware of that because alcohol does have quite a wide range of damaging effects on our um, body and mind. And particularly, as I've said, people tend to underestimate what a standard drink is and people tend to be unaware of what our low risk week guidelines are, but that's a cornerstone of a healthy lifestyle to stay within them. Okay, that's me off my soapbox. It is important though. So let's move on to number three. Number three is connection. And again, three power nine lessons fall into this category and I place it equally high up on the list of importance with food and movement. And the three I've included here are putting family and loved ones first, right tribe and belonging. And I kind of deal with them all at once, I think. So it can be really, really easy to let our busy lives get in the way of making time with family and friends, but we actively need to make it a priority. And it's something that I'll discuss a little bit more on next week's episode, with my friends Vicky and Lauren, founders of The Reset, is making time for social connection. Whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, it is so, so valuable to our physical, mental and emotional well-being. In the Blue Zones, people put family and loved loved ones first and look after each other throughout life, particularly family, and often you would find a couple of different generations of families within the same house. They also prioritise their wider social community network and invested time in them and said it gave them what they call an invisible lift. Now, what is that? I know, I'll tell you. So if you ever had a really crappy a week, many I'm sure, and on the weekend you maybe make time to meet some friends or your mom or your nana or your siblings to catch up and you leave feeling just that little bit lighter, a little bit less of a weight on your shoulders, that's an invisible lift. And I think that's a really amazing concept to take from the Blue Zones, something that I've tried to apply to my own life. And it's really been a big motivation to have regular catch ups with friends. In the Blue Zones, the wider community of the individual is what they call their right tribe, which is the network of people they socialize with, who support them, cheer them on throughout life and are always there to lend an ear or a shoulder for them. And the same in return. These social circles also really importantly supported healthy lifestyle behaviors. Have you ever heard the phrase, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with? I think that does apply here. In Okinawa, for example, they have Moais, which are groups of five friends committed to each other for life and who support each other throughout life, which I think is a lovely concept. And finally, belonging refers to the fact that um, the majority of the Blazon's populations belong to faith-based communities, um, regardless of denomination. Now, Religion is a very personal choice and I'm not going to really expand further onto that because it is such a personal choice. But I think that we do think there's something we can, I do think there's something we can take from just maybe having a belief in the greater good. And that was the personal lesson I took from it. For example, I do believe everything happens for a reason. And sometimes it's nice to fall back on that when things aren't going my way and I just have to trust the process. Okay, second last one reflection so this was actually discussed quite a bit between my wealth as talk and the panel chat we did on community social media and mental health on the second wealth as day and i think it's very important um in the Blue zones uh the researchers referred to it as a downshift and i like to think of it as reflection or maybe a little bit of stress management we live in a world that's pretty much on 24 7 365 days a year and whether we like it or not, that brings potential stress in bucket loads every single day in work and at home too. Now, technology allows us to do loads of amazing things like Skype family thousands of miles away, see their faces when we can't see it in real life, find our way if we get lost, find our phones if they get lost, which, you know, obviously didn't work too well for me. But, and, you know, hilariously, even now we have these apps that can block apps, which distract us. So our problem is now trying to create the solution to the problem. It is bizarre and it kind of fascinates me. And positives aside, as I've alluded to, we have to be aware of the potential for stress as a result of this constant stimulation and switching on from technology because we can't necessarily control every stressor, but we can control how we react to a stressor, whether that's an event or a situation or an interaction with a person, etc. So when we control how we react, we control what we experience when faced with stress which Is very, very important, and I think one of the most powerful things about the Blue Zones is that they do in their own way prioritize stress management and experience relatively little stress in their day to day lives as a result, which is partly to do with their environment, partly to do with their mindset. But either way, it's important. They do different things to manage their stress. Some of the populations prayed, for example, the seven day event is prayed, and um, the Okinawans took moments of gratitude every day. I think, in Sardinia or Icaria they napped in the afternoon which I think is a fantastic idea and as I said at my welfare talk anyone who wants to just have a nap mid-listen that's totally fine with me but the key thing is the strategies that these populations have they do them consistently every single day and that's what we have to do as well find the strategies that work for us and stick to them and more frequently than every single day if we need to. Now I say this as a person who doesn't have a mental health condition um, and so that's very important to distinguish between but the strategies I use to downshift a little bit and reflect and try and keep my mental health a positive space are taking time with family and friends to talk out problems and hear theirs, making sure I get exercise in particularly things like yoga and walks if I'm feeling stressed, writing out a couple of problems to see if I can come up with solutions, some deep breathing techniques and I do a little bit of mindfulness with the calm app which is just what works for me. It doesn't mean that it's same for everyone else for example I know a lot of people love taking a bath to stress to de-stress whereas I absolutely hate baths and I'm entirely freaked out by them no idea why but they're just not for me (laughs) shower's all the way I think the point to make is that if we're really really constantly feeling overwhelmed by stress or stressors and unable to cope unable to function or family or friends are concerned that is a different story and I think in that situation maybe seeking help from a mental health professional might be needed and if anyone doesn't already, I would recommend following Joe O'Brien. He's at Head for Zero on Instagram. He shares a lot about mental health content, a lot of mental health content, and he's been on the podcast as well. I think it's really worth following. Um, so that's, you know, an important context and disclaimer to put out there. Um, but from a Blue Zones perspective, I think taking the concept of downshift and reflection, to mean for you maybe moving your life out of fifth gear at 100 miles an hour in a really busy day down to first gear maybe stopping and slowing down completely just even for 10 minutes a day just to check in see how you're doing reflect and it might just help you find maybe the solution to an issue that you've been thinking about and just make you feel a little bit better now final one which is my favorite purpose so In the Blue Zones in Okinawa, this is called Ikigai, which loosely translated is why you wake up in the morning or why you jump out of bed in the morning. And in Costa Rica, they call it a plan de vida. And it's a principle that I've applied to my life ever since I heard about the Blue Zones. And it's made the most difference to me personally and in my career, I think. Your purpose or your sense of purpose will be different for everyone. For me and my work as a doctor, it's sort of come as a result of me finding the specialty of public health, which I'm quite passionate about, and that a preventative approach through building my blog and my social media as well. And in my personal life, it's taken me quite a while to really nail down what it is from what maybe society tells us it should be. And for me, I think things that fulfill me are things like spending time with family and friends, simple movement, eating, nourishing food, writing. I also find very, very, um not cathartic, is probably the wrong word, but... It fulfills me. It's probably the easiest way to to say it. But whatever yours is, whether it's family, your kids, your other half, maybe your pet, the work you do, your hobbies or a mix of all of the above. Make time to sit down and figure out what it is. For example, in the Blue Zones book, they recommend writing out a little mission statement of things that you're passionate about. And for me, I think the best advice I could give on this is sitting down and writing out a list of what you enjoy doing, which would probably be easier to do than writing down what you're good at. But that is what you also should do. Write down what you love to do and what you're good at. Do both of those things. And if you can combine them, that's the golden ticket. And I'm not saying those things fulfill you will make you jump out of bed every day. But 9, 10 out of 10, they do. I think it's really important that we should all be able to identify those things in our lives. Because we all deserve to have that feeling of wanting to start every day fresh and excited. And looking forward to maybe making a bit of a difference in the world. So, That is the Blue Zones. Thank you all so much for listening. I really, really hope you enjoyed this episode. I really wanted to just re-record it so that I could absolutely bring it to the podcast. And I am looking forward to hear what you think of it. If you do have any feedback on it, just pop a message on the podcast, send me a message on Instagram, or you can drop me an email or tweet me. Um, I'm usually mostly on Instagram from a social media point of view, at the Irish Balance, all lowercase. And obviously, you know where the podcast is. And as always, the blog is theirishbalance.com. So thank you so much for listening. And to everyone who came to my WealthFest talk, I want to say thank you again. I know there's a lot of podcast listeners that came and to our panel on Sunday. I am delighted to be a kind Snacks ambassador. And I was delighted to be given a platform to do a talk for the first time at WealthFest. It was a very special experience, um, particularly as I've been an attendee for a couple of years now. And it really um, just made me very grateful. So thank you. Thank you for listening today.